Good morning. Wow. It is so good to see you. My wife, as she's already stated, is going to be sharing with us the importance of uh, discovering your design, your makeup. Someone said that uh, you're a product of your genetic code, your DNA, your product of your environment, that's important, and your product of your choices. Your DNA, your environment, and your choices. And we need to know how to deal with our own self. I heard someone say recently that this person that they were talking about was the president of the state of denial or self-denial. The president of the state of self-denial. The thing that we need to do, you know, one of the things that we need to do is certainly understand our personality, our makeup. Uh, there are four, usually, and some of, sometimes they sort of run together. Sanguine, the melancholy, the collapse, and certainly the phlegmatic. I married my wife and I didn't really know her. I thought I did. But I learned her. I learned what makes her tick. You know, she's, and, and, and when you mention these four personality traits, one will be stronger than the other one. There's certainly some, uh, po there's certainly positive about it. In fact, it says here, are you a spontaneous, vivacious, cheerful, sanguine? Or are you a thoughtful, faithful, persistent, melancholy? Or an adventurous, persuasive, confident, choleric? And number four, a friendly, patient, contented, phlegmatic. Find out who you are. Find out what makes you, find out what makes you do what you do and think the way you think. If my wife and I woke up at the same time and our house was on fire, I'd jump up and scream and run and holler and say, the house is on fire. Carol would wake up and she'd say, house is on fire. <laughs> Until I learned why we do those kind of things, I... I was certainly not deal with my, and I have short, a lot of shortcomings when it comes, especially when it comes, it comes to be a choleric and what we, how we are, uh, do, why we do what we do. So I would encourage you to come and find out why you do what you do. What, God designed us all. We all have certain personalities. And there's probably some that we need to work on. And uh, the shortcomings, There's, there are strengths and there are weaknesses. And that's not tonight, but that's next Sunday night. And uh, we'll be here and look at what the Lord wants us to do, okay? If you do not have an outline of the message, I want you to raise your hands where the chip will make sure you get one. I want everyone to have an outline of the sermon. We're starting a series, uh, a new series, and... The title of this series is God Gave the Song, or God Gave a Song. God Gave a Song. 
and uh, there are approximately 185 songs in the Bible. 185. Now, there are 150 psalms, as we know, and that's songs. That's songs. But as we, as we look at these songs, they take us on a journey. There's a reason that God had these songs placed in his holy scripture. They are powerful. They move us. They challenge us. They explain to us God, his sovereignty, his nature, all these things. And so what I want to do is look at these songs. So I thought I would start at the first of the year with the first song in the Bible. The first song in the Bible. And it is the song of Moses. The song of Moses. Most of us here today are familiar with the Israelites. And how that from Abraham's loins came a nation of millions. And how that in the process of time they went into bondage in Egypt. And for hundreds of years, they were slaves to the Egyptians. But they began to cry out to God and seek God. And so God worked it out to where they could come forth from Egypt, out of bondage, and go into Canaan land. There's a lot that takes place during that journey. And it has a lot to do with us today, even though it happens, happened thousands of years ago. It has a lot to do us, for us today because the crossing of the Israelites over the Red Sea or through the Red Sea is a type of salvation. My and your salvation can be identified with what happened here at the crossing of the Red Sea. I would like for us to understand how important it is for us to know that the Old Testament is so rich for us today. Some people say, I don't like the Old Testament. I don't understand the Old Testament. I just read the New Testament. Well, you're missing a lot of the principles of God and, and a lot about God, not to read the Old Testament, of course, along with the new. And so we find that uh, Moses, as most of us know, led the children of Israel after the ten plagues that came upon Pharaoh and the Egyptians. He led them forth. And they come to the Red Sea. Now, here are millions of people Look into this one man, Moses. They come to the Red Sea and how they're going to get across. Not only were they concerned about getting across the Red Sea, but they were concerned about Pharaoh's army that was behind him. God gave them a cloud by day and a fire by night. And the fire stood between 
of course, Israel and the armies of Pharaoh. How important it is for us to understand this. The children of Israel thought to themselves, okay, Mr. Moses, you've led us up here. Now we're put between the rock and the hard place, the sea before us, the uh, soldiers and Pharaoh behind our enemy, our staunch enemy is behind. How many of you know you have an enemy? You have an enemy. He is the enemy of your soul. He is the enemy of everything that God wants you to do and God wants you to be. And so the enemy was behind the sea in front and the mountains on the side and they were some kind of upset. God spoke to Moses and he went up on a rock and he was told to lift up his staff and there my, or his rod and there my friend, God parted the Red Sea. Very, very powerful and outstanding miracle. Wow. Parted the Red Sea. God allowed the nation of Israel and all the people of Israel to go across, the Bible says, on dry land. He congealed or had the, held the walls of that water up. There was an east wind that blew so strong that it caused that water to wall up and leave space for those God's chosen people to cross. What a miracle. What a miracle. But lo and behold, they look behind them and see this army of chariots and soldiers and swords and spears and, and, and the enemy is coming down upon them. And they're afraid. They don't know what to do. And all of them finally get across the water and they look back and they wonder what's going to happen now. And all of a sudden, God Almighty, Jehovah, hallelujah. Let me say that again. Whoa, hallelujah. All of a sudden, God Almighty, Jehovah, caused those waters to come down and drowned all of them. Pharaoh, the soldiers, the horses, the chariots, the swords, the spears, everything was drowned in the sea. Wow. I think I'd kind of been glad, wouldn't you? 400 years, now we're free from the tyrant Pharaoh. We're free. We're on the other side of the water. We're, on, we're out from under the slavery and bondage of Egypt. And now we are free. So Moses and Miriam, his sister, and Aaron, his brother, they got their instruments, especially their tambourines, and they began to sing a song. 
Hallelujah. I think it's time for the church to sing a song. Hallelujah. It's a little lengthy. Stay with me. It's well worth reading because they sung this song, the very first song that's recorded. In fact, it's the very first song that's recorded that man ever recorded. Isn't that something? Look at your introduction. This is the first song recorded in the Bible. And not only is this the first song in the Bible, it is also by some hundreds of years the first recorded song in human history. Kind of makes me want to know what it says. Kind of makes me want to understand the circumstances whereby it was said. I want to delve into this song. I want to think about why. Why Moses, one of the greatest leaders that ever lived, was this man Moses. And here he is. Leading those people in a song. Let's sing it with them. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke saying, I will sing to the Lord. Oh, you thought when you came to church on Sunday morning, you were singing for the congregation. You were singing for someone to hear. No, you're singing unto the Lord. And I want us to get a glimpse of that. I want us to get a hold of that. I want that to be part of us. Knowing when we sing, whether we're riding on the highway or at home, washing the dishes or cooking our meal or taking care of the baby, when we sing. You know, there's a difference in the songs of the world and the songs of the Lord. It's not necessarily the music. It's the message. That's the reason it's so important for us to hear the lyrics and for us to hear the words and for us to understand the words because that makes us different from the world. I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed. Gloriously. <laughs> wow. I'm about, to about ready to be raptured all now. But the horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. I will exalt him. Don't feel like it. Maybe don't feel like singing. Perhaps I don't feel like I can even sing. But every one of us ought to sing. You say, Brother Don, you haven't heard me sing. That's okay. The Bible says make a joyful noise. Glory, make a joyful noise. Unto the Lord. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man. Listen devil. You just been chomping and biting at my heels. 
The Lord is a man of war. This little boy was walking to school every day. And when he was walking on the way to school, this bully met him. Every day the bully met him and he beat him up. He told some of the other boys and girls what was happening. They said, well, why don't you change? Why, why don't you go another route? So he went another route, but the bully went that route and got him and beat him up. Well, why don't you get you a stick? He got him a stick. The bully took the stick away from him and beat him up. But one day the bully saw the boy and he's walking towards the boy. And the boy had his chest out and his shoulders back. He said, come on, I'm ready for you. What changed the boy? What made him so brave? He got closer to the boy and all of a sudden his father stepped out of the bushes. Six foot 10, 275 pounds. The moral of that story is that the closer you are to your father, the devil don't like that. He wants you to leave father at home, but you take father with you to work. You take father with you to school. You take father with you wherever you go, and the devil will shake in his boots every time. Our God's I gotta hurry up. I can't even get finished here. He's the God of war. The Lord is his name. You want me to tell you who he is? It's not Elvis. It's not Prince. It's not Johnny Cash. It's not any of those people. The Lord is his name. He's Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. And the Bible says every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess at the name of Jesus Christ. Wow. Do you know who you are serving? You know who can step out of the bushes for you? No matter how vicious and scary the devil looks and is sometimes. The Lord is his name, Pharaoh's chariots, and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Hallelujah. Your right hand, <coughs> excuse me, oh Lord, has become, <coughs> don't lose this, your right hand has become glorious in power. The right hand is always signet of, of the power of God. Your right hand has dashed the enemies in pieces. The devil roars like a lion. He makes you think he's bigger than he really is and more powerful than he really is. But God Almighty will cut him down and break him into pieces. And the greatness of your excellence, you have overthrown those who rose up against you. The greatest nation in the world, 
the most powerful man in the world is now drowning in God's judgment. He knows how to do it. He knows the waters gathered together. The flood stood upright like a heap. The depths congealed in the heart of the sea. <laughs> the enemy said, I will pursue. I'm going to overtake them. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall be satisfied on them, and I will draw my sword. My hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. All that whole army, all the chariots, all the mighty horses, all the artillery. You blew. Don't be afraid of the devil. God can get rid of the devil just, and he will. He will defeat the enemy of your life. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You in your mercy led forth the people whom you have redeemed. I am redeemed. This is the song of the redeemed. You have guided them in your strength through your holy habitation. The people will hear and be afraid. Now, this, I love this part of this song. Here's another verse. I love this part of the song. He begins to talk about, they see a prophecy. It's prophetic. Because they've got to leave here, go through the wilderness, and go into a holy, go into the land of Canaan where all the armies are. They're not an army. They've been slaves for 400 years. They don't know anything about war, but look at what he says. The people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will come, take hold of the inhabitants of, of Philistia. Then the chief, chiefs of Edom will be dismayed. And you read scripture, read it. Where all of these nations and all of these cities, they were in panic because they heard of this one Miracle! The mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. That's what the devil needs to be doing concerning the church. It needs to, he needs to tremble. He needs to hear the church is rising up and fasting 21 days and praying. The mighty hand of God is moving at 35, 18 rows of Sharon Road. They're praying and the power of God is moving in this place and he needs to tremble and shake and be afraid. All the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away. Fear and dread will fall on them. By the greatness of your arm, they will be as still as stones till your people have passed over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance, in the place, O Lord, which you have made for your own dwelling, the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established, the Lord. Listen, Washington. Listen, congressional leaders. Listen, Russia. Listen, China. 
the Lord shall reign forever and ever and ever. The Lord God Almighty shall reign forever and ever. Let me hurry and finish this. The song focuses on the nature. Look at your Roman numeral number one. The song focuses on the nature, the person, the actions, and the promises of God. Listen. I love gospel songs that give a testimony. I'll fly away. I would not be denied. All these testimonial songs are good. But the songs that touches God Almighty, that they focus on the nature, the person, the actions, and the promises of God. That's the reason these songs that we sing today, if you look in that hymn book in front of you, and I love those songs. I cut my teeth on those songs. All these songs that gives a testimony, there's nothing wrong with them. But the thing that moves the church right into the very presence of God, right into the heart of God, is songs about his nature, is our songs about his person, our songs about his promises, our songs about his act. You, oh God. And that's what Moses was singing. In this song, there are three thines, ten thous, and eleven thys. It's all about him. Not about us. Not unto us. Look at this verse in Psalms 115 and 1. Not unto us. Not unto us. Twice it says, not unto us. But unto thy name give glory. We come in church and we've had a bad week or we had a rough day or we don't feel good and we say, oh, this, that, the... It's too hot. It's too cold. The songs aren't good. The songs aren't bad. It's not about you. Don, listen to what you're preaching. I step on my own toes. I look at this and look at that and I say, I don't know. And look at this and look at that. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's not how good I feel or how bad I feel. It's not what someone did to me last week. It's not about those things. It's unto God Almighty. That's what it's about. Thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. God Almighty said, I'll give my glory to no man. And when you and I and when the church and when preachers and when we as believers start trying to bestow the glory on us or what we've done or our church, God says, mm -mm. I'll give my glory to no man. Look at Roman numeral number two. It's a song of victory, a pouring forth 
of their heart. Here's Moses and the children of Israel. It's a pouring forth. And that's what happens on Sunday morning. When we sing and they sing and we sing, it's a pouring forth, my friend, of our gratitude and of our thanksgiving. Pour in our hearts. Oh, God. If we just look at this. Song sounds good. The words are good. Music's good. Listen, these songs should be the pouring forth from our inwardness. It pours out of our mouths, our hands lifted up, and we graciously pour forth our praise, our thankfulness, our gratitude. <laughs> the way of life through the open sea of Redeemer's suffering leads to the song of victory. What are you talking about? That open sea. Typical and a forerunner of when Jesus went to the cross and he lifted between heaven and earth and they stuck the spear into his side and water and blood comes gushing out. That's the flow. That's the river. That's the cleansing for you and I today. Typical. Forerunner. We're given victory over sin, which pursued us like a bloodthirsty Egyptian. Let me say something, and I don't have time to read the scripture today. If you have a pen, pencil, put it on your notes. Read this week Romans chapter 6, especially verses 1 through 11. Romans chapter 6. What does it talk about? It talks about dying. I don't hear nothing about dying. I really hear something about living. Well, you got to die before you live. We are crucified with Christ. Pharaoh, his armies, his chariots, everything. And when we come to the Lord, if we're not careful, everything in our lives hasn't died because all of a sudden crops up jealousy all of a sudden crops up anger all of these things it needs to die Paul said I am crucified with Christ he's dead when we were baptized in water that's a type of us being buried with him and all of see it that water destroyed everything Pharaoh, are you still got a few Pharaohs in your life? That you swim out of the water? You still having these things that come up in your life? Let it die. Read chapter 6. I'd like for you to read 6, 7, and 8. Romans 6, 7. Powerful for chapters. Powerful chapters. We are given victory over sin, which pursued us like a bloodthirsty Egyptian. Ours is a victory over sin, over the world, over death and the grave. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 57. It was a song of the redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen? 
They're the redeemed. They have been redeemed by the blood out of Egypt as a house of bondage. Most of us, if not all of us, know about how did they put the blood over the doorpost? That's how they redeemed. And here they come through this Red Sea, victorious. All true praise has its source in the redeeming power of Christ's cross. Somebody say amen. Are you listening? Let me say that again. Powerful statement. All true praise has its source in the redeeming power of Christ's cross. Hallelujah. Unto him who hath loved us and watched us and redeemed us to God by his own blood. I'm closing with the next verses. Here we have in Exodus chapter 15 a praise unto God Almighty for a great deliverance. Go with me all the way through the Old Testament, all the way to the New Testament, all the way to the last book in the New Testament, and read what John wrote, inspired by the Holy Spirit, and gave forth something that happened thousands of years. Read it with me. Revelation. Revelation chapter. This is 15. Understand. Exodus 15. Revelation 15. Then I saw another sign in heaven and great and marvelous. Seven angels having the seven last plagues. Last plagues. This is the last plagues of the revelation. For in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. And those who have the victory over the beast, which is the Antichrist. Now here the host of the redeemed is standing in the throne room. And it looks like glass. It's so tranquil. It's so colorful. It's so beautiful. And these redeemed, martyred, suffering, but now they no longer suffering. They have victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name standing on the sea of glass, having harps of gold of God. They've got harps. You're going to play a harp one of these days. He said, I don't know. Listen, God can give you the ability to play. I remember when I started playing the guitar. You know what kind of guitar I had? The first guitar. You ought to learn how to play a guitar. Some of you, guitars are good instruments to play on. Learn how to play a horn. Learn how to play a violin. The first guitar I ever had was an old Sears and Roebuck. Silver tone guitar. The strings were so high off the fret, I, my fingers bled to play it. But I played it and played it and played it until I switched over and got me a Gibson Dove. You're going to play one day. Here they had harps. 
And they sing the song of who? Say it. They sing the song of who? Moses. Here it is. From Exodus to Revelation. But now it's not called the song of Moses necessarily, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. Wow. The song of the Lamb. What kind of Lamb are you talking about? I'm talking about none other than the one that gave his life that you and I might be redeemed from the sins and the bondage that bind us. It's the song of the Lamb. Say it. Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name for you alone. Oh my God, for you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifest. Somebody say amen. amen. Quickly. In Revelation, we hear the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb blending in one. This is a song of the glorified, the saints of God. The song of the Lamb compares the completed redemptive work, complete redemptive work of Jesus Christ with God's deliverance in Exodus. But now they're standing with no sorrow. Now they're standing with joy in their hearts. Now they're rejoicing. You may be going through something today. You don't have to deal with it. The devil may tell you you can't make it. He's a liar. The Bible says that Satan, the devil, is a liar. In fact, it goes even further. He says he's the father of lies. And he tell you you can't make it. You've got this wrong with you. That, listen, I want you to start standing up in faith, believing God, trusting God. You say, I want to see some miracles. There are miracles every day. Open your eyes and let God reveal them to you. Open your eyes. We had a powerful move of God here Wednesday night. Brother Larry taught a great uh, 30 minutes and then we prayed and the spirit of God moved in this. I'm telling you, God wants to do a work. These are the believers who refused to bow their knees to the beast. Those slain for their faith were very victorious. They turned their eyes from a world that had been uh, unkind to them. And they turned their eyes heavenward. And they knew that their toils were over. They knew that their trials were over. They knew that their suffering was over. And they looked in the very face of Almighty God. And they played their harps and sung the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. And it just went, oh, hallelujah. That's a good place to clap. It is a good place.